let's get very spiritual. How many have seen the movie, The Princess Bride? See, there are those who love the movie, The Princess Bride, and then there are those who have never seen it. <laughs> to see it is to love it. Thank you, Mar. So many, like, it's from 1987, okay, folks? Andre the Giant is in this movie. Some of you love wrestling, but you never, you got to see this movie. Um, so many iconic lines. So in the movie, um, Vincini and his two accomplices are getting, they, they kidnapped the princess Buttercup. <laughs> see, some of y'all aren't with me right now, but people that have seen it, they're like, boom, they're like, I'm here for it. So Vincini and his accomplices are, are getting away, and they've tried to kill the man in black following them multiple times, Wesley, and he keeps not dying, and he keeps pursuing them, and, and multiple times along the way, Vincini says, is he still following us? And he says, that is, thank you, say it louder for the people, inconceivable. He just keeps saying this word. He's like, he, he's following, Inconceivable inconceivable. And finally, Inigo Montoya looks at him, one of the last times he says it, and he says, he looks at him and he says, you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. It's a great line. And when I thought about launching this series, it literally jumped in my mind because that's how, when you've seen the movie, you come to love it, then like you think in Princess Bride terms. It just happens, Okay. And I kept thinking, supernatural, supernatural. Uh, so many people use this word, and they, they keep using this word, and I don't think it means what they think it means. Does God do miracles, supernatural, divine intervention? Boom! Like, oh my gosh, God did that part of the Red Sea. Like, does he do those things? If he does, say yes. Certainly he does. But God's way of operating, and this all throughout the Bible, if you read through the Bible, you, you'll see divine intervention. But you will be hard-pressed if you actually read through the Bible with this lens and look for a time when God didn't act with, when, when he acted, sorry, with zero participation from a follower of Christ or from a follower of God in the Old, Old Testament. His way of acting and performing miracles in the world, such a large majority. Now, again, you'll find a couple in there, but like, large majority, he wants you and me to participate in our miracles. He wants us to do our part. And so, so many believers are believing for the supernatural. God, I'm ready for the supernatural. I want miracles in my life. But they are not participating or contributing to the miraculous happening in their life. And so when we say supernatural, we're not talking about God doing that stuff that you had nothing to do with. Does he do it? Yes or no? Yes. yes. But what we're talking about in this series much more is how you and I get to set ourselves up to live a supernatural life. See, it, miracles, supernatural. But it is also supernatural for you and I to live by the principles of God's kingdom. 
They are not mysterious. They are not complicated. They are not hidden from us. They are the principles of the word. I was going to reach for my Bible, but I do it on my phone. So where'd my phone go? The principle. Okay. Some of you are like, you should have a hard copy Bible. The principles of the word of God in the Bible. If you don't have the U version, you should totally get it. It's right here. The whole thing. Like 62 different versions. The principles of the word of God. When you live by those consistently, this is important. Consistently, everybody say consistently. Consistently, not for a short amount of time. Some of you are like, you went to church camp and you were like, I live by the word of God and then he didn't work in like 30 days. You rededicated your life, you got prophesied over, and you were fighting for that word for 60 days. Consistently, over time. Over time. How long? <laughs> long time. More on that later. Long time. Consistently over time. Listen, if we live by the principles of God consistently over time, it will inevitably, like unquestionably produce similar results for every single believer. Because he's no respecter of persons, right? So if he'll do it for Jenny Jones, he'll do it for Dave. If he'll do it for Dave, he'll do it for Cam. He'll do it for every single one of them. But so many times we're waiting for God to boom, drop heaven to earth and do the supernatural and we're living in sin and we're not being obedient to that thing he told us to do and we're making excuses for our lack of devotion or holiness. But see, if, if you'll live by the principles of God, if I will live by the principles of God consistently over time, here's what happens. At first, it's kind of subtle. Things will start happening. You'll be like, well, how'd that happen? Something else will happen, and somebody else will be like, how, how do you orchestrate that? And it's subtle at first. But eventually, when you live consistently over time in the principles of God, it will become glaringly obvious. And your life will begin to be characterized by the supernatural. Your life will begin to be characterized by things that you can't explain and they can't explain. Thinking of a testimony with Josh and Sarah on the front row here that recently that I'm aware of. I'm not going to share it. It's their story to share. But like, there was no explanation was there. Like, I mean, you, you can't make this stuff up. This is like stuff you like pray and you're like, God, if only. And then it just happened in your life. Did you orchestrate that, by the way? Did you make that happen? No, but I know them. Guess what they've been doing? Living consistently by the principles of God over time. Hey, uh, has it always been easy to do that, guys? No. They're laughing on the front row in case you weren't. No, it's never easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. There had been some low of lows. Some blows that, like, hey, do we get out of this? Do we just quit and cut our losses and move forward? But then the supernatural surprises you. Not because they just sat around and waited, but they said, okay, God, what's my part? What do I need to do? And, I mean, if you hear me preach, you've heard me say that phrase. We've got to do our part. We've got to be obedient we got to do the things that he asked us to do. 
There's a verse in, uh, hold on, 1 Corinthians 3, 6. It says, I planted, the Apostle Paul is writing this, Paul saying, I planted, Apollos, Apollos watered, but who gave the increase? God gave the increase. The Amplified says that, but God all the while was causing the growth. Now, Paul had a responsibility to plant, right? And then Apollos had to come along and do his part and water it. But even if he plants and even if he waters, are, is the increase going to come if God's not involved? No. But is that increase going to come if Paul and Apollos aren't involved? No. Not that Because that was God's design to say, hey, you got to do your part. You plant, you water, and I will bring the increase. See, when it comes to living a supernatural life, ladies and gentlemen, God's saying, hey, I'm going to give you some, some things you need to do. I'm going to speak to you on some acts of obedience, some steps of faith, some things that stretch you. And if you'll do your part, I'll add my super to your natural. And that's a phrase Pastor Marion uses all the time. He's going to add his super to our natural. You want to live a supernatural life? You got to do your natural part so he can come along and like, boom, like bring the increase in ways that blow your mind, the ways that you didn't see coming. And so when you live by these principles, whether it's faith, which Pastor Marion will be back next Sunday, and I believe he's going to continue on in a vein on faith. When you live by the principle of faith, some supernatural things are going to happen in your life. How many have seen it? If so, say yes. But there's all kinds of principles, right? Speak the word of God. Worship. Um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My wife's teaching in B-Kids down there this morning. She said, this is yours. You're supposed to be down here. I kind of talk a little bit about that. They're all like, let the word of God be central to your life. Live with an abundance mentality because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God come to give life and life more abundantly. These are principles. Listen, if you're walking around living in a scarcity mentality, thinking there's not enough and there's no way it can happen, it's, it's kind of hard for God to bless that. See, if, if you want that miracle of provision and blessing, you need to shift your mentality, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, take captive every thought and bring it into the obedience of Christ. You need to begin to think in the way that God thinks because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts and his ways are higher than your ways. And when his word's spoken, it never returns void. That's what it says in Isaiah 55. And when you begin to think the way he thinks and think in terms of abundance, all of a sudden you open yourself up to some supernatural things. See, when we live in the principles, our life begins to attract the supernatural, and it begins to be characterized by the supernatural, not because we're seeking a sign or seeking a miracle, but because we're seeking him. We're seeking him. Everybody say supernatural. So let's talk about one of those principles. That was, that was your setup, okay? 
We're going to talk today about a principle about the power of the process. I said to Carrie out in the lobby, she's serving in children's ministry. Aren't people that serve in this house just awesome? Can we give them a round of applause? Amazing. But I, I said, I said, You're gonna li- you'd like this sermon I'm getting ready to preach. And I said, well, actually, you wouldn't like it because nobody likes this sermon. I said, but you know the truth of the sermon because there is power in the process. Now, we not, might not like how that power is released, but there is power in the process in our life. If... We don't abort the process. We've got to learn. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. There's power in the process. Now, let me just make sure I'm talking to the right people. Does anybody in here need a miracle in your life? Just say yes. Does anybody got some stuff going on in your life that you ain't got no solutions to? That seemed more appropriate. Mm -hmm, I heard that. Does anybody feel like you've been doing all the things they told you to do, and yet it still ain't working? Right there, you want to cuss. I know. You saved, and you still want to cuss. Now, if you didn't say yes to any of those, does anybody want your life to be more characterized by the supernatural? If so, shout, yes! See, we want to. (laughs) Was that Audrey? Good job, Audrey. Way to be fully engaged. Way to be fully engaged. If we want our life to be characterized by the supernatural, do you know that doesn't, that doesn't just affect you? It's like Meg was saying in the offering. The blessing financially on your life is not just for you. It's not to pay your bills and keep the lights on. There are people counting on you. To learn how to live a life of generosity. And if you don't get it, they're not going to get the blessing that God wanted to give them through you. So it's never just about you. Okay, so we're talking to the right people. I was on a mastermind call uh, this past, actually just Friday. Actually, DJ and Josh, were you on the call Friday? Yeah, you were there. It's all blur, sorry. So I have a coaching business. I coach entrepreneurs all over the country and and uh, we're on this call, and there's a few guys in the group that are going through it. Anybody been going through it before? Anybody going through it right now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, you guys, you guys are going to love this. And uh, so we were trying to encourage him and support him, and, you know, he was sharing some stuff and being open and honest, and then we were, like, just kind of pouring into him. And then the, the elder member of the group, which isn't me, by the way, just putting that out there. Our friend Shane, he's about, I think he's like 57, something like that. And God, he's a kingdom guy, such a kingdom guy, and done so much good in the world. And uh, he was just listening to it all. And finally, Shane just spoke up and he said, Everything you guys are saying is good. But remember, like, this doesn't go away. The challenges. They don't stop. The pressure, it doesn't stop. We actually don't get to graduate from the hard stuff of life. And so his 
message of encouragement was, listen, like the sooner you accept that this stuff, the hard stuff is part of life, the sooner you're going to be able to go through it with strength. So there's something we say in that group as far as being entrepreneurs, there's, there's a privilege of pressure. Let me bring that to you as believers, believers, kingdom citizens called by God. There's destiny on your life. There is a privilege of pressure. What's the Bible says? He's never going to put more on you than you can bear. So if you're going through some stuff right now, guess who's confident in your ability to get, get through it? Look at somebody and say, you got this. More accurately, it would be like, you and Jesus got this. That pressure you're feeling right now, that struggle, that trouble, that pain, what if you shifted your perspective and said, that's a privilege? Now, I got to interject something. This is not in the notes, but I just realized... Last night I was here praying for you guys and I just need to interject this. All the pain and trouble and struggle and pressure in your life, God did not create all that. In fact, some of us, let me just bring myself in here. Some of us have made some stupid decisions that created a mess in our life. Anybody with me on that or am I all naked and alone here? Oh, look, look. Thank you. Some of us have made some stupid decision that have created chaos and pain and repetitive negative cycles in our lives. So when I say the process, here's the good news. God will take your stupid decisions, your mistakes, and he will redeem them. Like, you, you put it down on the table, I'm paying for some stupid pain in my life. And God says, no, I'm going to buy that back. I'm going to redeem it. And instead of making it just useless pain, I'm going to redeem it, buy it back, and bring good out of your stupid decision. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, when Joseph was sold into slavery in the Old Testament, like his brothers tried to kill him and then they throw him into the pit and all that, the pit, the palace, all these things, right? When his brothers finally come before him in the midst of a famine and his brothers who betrayed him left him for dead in the middle of, sold his life they, and they come before him and God had done such a work in Joseph's life that he's able to, in that moment to look at them and say, what the enemy, our language, New Testament, what the devil intended for evil, God has intended to bring good out of it. So whatever you're in, whether you created it, circumstances beyond your control created it, let me just say to you, God can redeem it and bring good out of it. Now, you also need to take full responsibility and not be like, oh, the God, God just got me in a process. 
before you be like, God's got me in a process, you might want to step over here and repent for your stupid decisions. Repent for your disobedience. Let's not soften that, okay? Listen, our disobedience is what creates pain and suffering in our lives. Who's been there? I mean, pick an area. Disobedience in relationship, disobedience in finances. Disobedience in your career because you haven't got that promotion because you haven't been willing to put in the work and you shirk responsibility and you don't take full responsibility and you're always blaming other people and talking behind the boss's back. You're not not promoted because you're not living in the principles of God. God can't bless your mess. God can't bless your sin. Your self-deception, stop that, take responsibility, repent, which means, don't say I'm sorry, repentance means to change your mind, your direction, and your behavior, and line it up with the word of God, and then all of a sudden your mess turns into process, because now God is involved. You've repented, you've cleaned your heart up, and you're saying, like, like David, God created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. And all of a sudden, then God, then, then you're into like perseverance develops character and character develops faith. But you can't just write off your sin and disobedience. You got to own that. I love you. Some of you are attempting to be like, well, I'm in the process and God's doing the work. But you have not taken that first step and owned your sin and disobedience. Repent today. You ain't even got to wait till I'm done. Repent right now. God, I take ownership. I take ownership. I repent, Lord, for my sin, for my disobedience. I'm not blaming the devil. Oh, the devil made me do it. Come on now. No, 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 no. I did that. I was drug away. I was enticed and I made decisions. The devil didn't make you do it. Okay. Then one other caveat I need to add in here. This opening's gotten a little bit long, but that's okay. There are some of you, well, you know, I'll add that one in a little later. Let me give you five lessons here. <laughs> um, five lessons about the process. Now, I pulled up in my preparation for this a sermon I preached 13 years ago. That's a long time. I was... 33 at the time. Yes, I'm 46 now. And I preached a sermon with this statement as the title, between the promise that God gives you, the promise, he gave you a promise, and the payoff, the actual fulfillment, between the promise and a payoff, there is a process? Yeah, yeah. Everybody said process. That's actually a quote from Stephen Furtick before anybody knew who the heck he was. I heard him speak at an event, and he said that between the promise and the payoff, there's a process. I came back from that event, and I'm like, I'm preaching between the promise and the payoff. There's a process. People need to know there's a process. And I came back, and I preached that at 33 years old. At that time, like Ella was like four. I'd been here at Bethel for, I think, about 11 years. Uh, I thought I knew some things about the process. (laughs) <laughs> oh. this, oh, well. I was so naive. Now, I knew some things, 
but I don't know nearly as much as I know now. I, there was a, a couple statements. Eh, I, yeah, real quick. There was a couple statements in that message. If you don't know how to process the process, you probably won't make it to your promised land. Isn't that cute? Alliteration. If you don't know how to process the process, you're probably not going to make it to your promised land. Is that true, yes or no? Oh, yeah, it's true. I hadn't experienced enough pain in the process to understand that. And the other piece is, I thought I knew what my promised land was. And, you know, because I knew, I knew what God needed to do. And the timeline, did, he, he was off track. He needed to get it on track, right? And I knew what he needed to do, how he needed to do it, when he needed to do it. And I knew my promised land. Anybody feeling me here? Like, and, and when you think, hey, this is what needs to happen so I can get here, God, because, hey, God, hey, 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 this is where I'm supposed to be. There's a naiveness in that. Is that the right word, naivete? Um, Another statement I had in that message was, without the process, there is no progress. But the process is usually filled with pain. I said this to Rick in the back. I said, I think you uh, understand this message more than many. Because it doesn't always come with some years, that wisdom. But when you live some years and you've humbled yourself and trusted God, when you say things like that, the process requires some pain, it hits different. Hits different. And some of you are in some pain. And you're just... Enduring pain. You haven't flipped the script to be able to see that God has you in a process. That he wants to redeem the circumstances, whether you created or other people or just life created it. He wants to redeem it. But if you're, you can suffer pain and just suffer pain. You, you can suffer and just suffer. Or you can be in pain and embrace the process so you can get better. Um, All right, let's jump up. Lesson number one, here you go. We can fight it. This is about the process. We can fight it or embrace it, but there is no avoiding it. First Peter, I'm going to read 12 through 13, verse 16, kind of jumping through. It says, beloved, (laughs) I love the Bible. Beloved, everybody say, I am loved. Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Then verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in this matter. Let me say this to you. Christians will face trials, but those trials do not call into question your faith or God's love for you. You're going to face trials, 
but they do not call into question your faith. You didn't do anything wrong. Now, that's why I had to give that caveat of some of y'all, you, you did some stupid stuff, but not necessarily that you had to do anything wrong to be in a trial. And it definitely does not call into question God's love for you. Like, sister, like just because you're in some stuff doesn't mean he loves you or that you messed up. He just loves you. And here's the thing about living in the process or embracing the process. Everybody say, embrace it. There are far too many Christians who are shocked by the process. They're like, oh, something bad happened in my life. I'm in a fiery trial. The devil's trying to take me out. Now, is the devil trying to take you out? Yes or yes? Yeah. But sometimes... God himself will orchestrate some circumstances that you don't want. You don't want them. You don't, like, ask for them. You didn't, like, go looking for them. But you end up in these circumstances that it's just it's pain. And, and if you could just get over the hump from, I'm going to stop being surprised by the process, and I'm going to start realizing that God wants to do something in me through the process. And begin to embrace it. Listen, the process is hard. It's painful. It doesn't come on a schedule that you planned. <laughs> Laugh worthy, definitely. It's just, it's inconvenient, daggone it. Timing's horrible. But the process is where God does his best work in you and in me. There's things he can do in the process he can't do any other way. So stop being shocked by the process and start embracing the process. Some of you right now, you're still you're in it and you're trying to avoid it. You're trying to run from it. And God's like, hey, trying to do some work here. But if you, if you try to run from it or avoid it, what happens? You, you keep another lap around the desert, just like the children of Israel. See, our, our decisions in the midst of the process often can shorten the process. Not always, but often how you respond to it is going to determine how long you stay in it. How many would like to get out of it quicker? Yeah. But you have to learn to embrace it, to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to realize that you're trying to do something in me. And so you begin to embrace it. You begin to say, okay, God, what is it? that you want to teach me in this season. Um, Romans 5, 3 through 5. I couldn't remember if I preached this recently, but I've been sharing it with a lot of people. Romans 5, 3 through 5 in the Passion Translation. This is just a beautiful snapshot of the process. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble. Everybody say trouble. I hate it when the Bible's plain. I mean, I love the Bible, but sometimes I'm like, does that have to be true? Even in times of trouble, we have joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures, the privilege of pressure, knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. Anybody, don't pray for patience. Anybody ever told somebody that? God's going to find a way to get you patient endurance, whether you want it or not. So you might as well learn the lesson sooner rather than later. Patient endurance, and patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character, here it is, 
leads us back to hope. See, when you're in the process, it stings. It hurts. But if you'll embrace the process, the trouble, the pain, and say, okay, even in it, I'm going to have... Now, here's the thing. A lot of times, like some of you are very sanctified and holy, and I honor you. And like you can be in the worst of circumstances and have joyful confidence all the time. I've come a long way on this one, but I haven't arrived here. And, and that's good. That's good for you. Oftentimes, we got to get through it a little bit before we're like, okay, joy is starting to come now. But you can have joyful confidence, and then you endure, and you, you, you allow God to shape your character. You allow him to do things in you. And then it eventually leads you back to hope, to confidence, to faith, to a vision of, oh, this is what he's doing. And listen, if your faith isn't tested, you don't have faith. It is the hard times that develop the muscle, the strength that makes you who you are. Rick and I were talking in the back before service, and I asked permission to share this because I just asked him, I said, what was, a, what was a process for you, Rick, that at the time it was horrible, painful, but looking back on it, you're able to see the good that God brought out. And he said, oh, that's easy. When he was, were you in your 20s? 25. His brother was murdered. And Rick was a young married guy, living life, Christian, but not living a Christian lifestyle, enjoying himself. Not, he, he, his words were, I, I was not a mature individual. And in an instant, and did God create that circumstance? No. No. God good, devil bad. John 10, 10, look it up. There, there's a good theological line. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God's come to give life and life more abundantly. So he didn't take his brother's life, No. But in that circumstance, Rick said, I had to all of a sudden become the big brother that went and told his family that they didn't have a husband and a dad anymore. And I had to drive hours to go to my mom and dad and tell my mom and dad that they didn't have a son anymore. He didn't have a choice but to grow up. But he said, I wouldn't be who I am without that circumstance. God didn't make it happen, but God led him back to hope through the most painful and unwanted circumstances. God was able to bring good out of it. And some of you, I love you, but you can't pay your gas bill and you're moaning and groaning like the world's coming to an end. I love you. I love you. Been there and done that myself, right? Just like Meg said. I'm not being harsh. I'm just trying to call out some of our inaccurate perceptions of how God works. See, if you, like, do I believe that God wants to bless you and do good things in your life? And, like, yes. Just because, like, again, like Meg was saying, like, the blessing on your life enables you to bless other people. But... <clears throat> do not confuse the goodness of God, the blessing of God that is unshakable and true and definite, the blessing, the favor of God, all those things for you as a born-again believer. Do not confuse that with an easy street life that has no pain and trouble. 
Because if you don't have pain and trouble, you don't begin to become a man of God that impacts generations. A man of faith that his spiritual legacy in his own family and how God has used him in business, in the business world. Like, you, Rick isn't who he is today without going through the hardship. And some of you need to stop trying to run and avoid stuff in your life right now and start praying some different prayers, which leads me to number two. Lesson number two, the process changes us first. A change of circumstances is never, never, ever, ever, never, 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 is never God's primary objective. We are. A change of your circumstances is never God's primary directive. Like, and I was process like even as Meg was talking about the mountain and praying over the mountain and we got faith to move the mountain. Sometimes we're praying, God, move the mountain. And you should, and you have authority to do that, and that's biblical. But sometimes he's like, hey, I'm using this mountain to do some work in you. I'm refining some character. So I ain't moving this mountain until you learn what you need to learn. You've got to embrace the process and realize that you, you guys hear me say this, life's happening for me, not to me, which is Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those who are called by God, live according to his purpose, right? I'll say it this way. The process has not happened to you. The process is happening for you. But if you don't embrace that, if you don't understand that God's trying to do something in you, he can't do any other way then you're going to miss out on the lesson. You're going to miss out on the benefit. You're just going to suffer and not get the lesson, not get the reward. Now, this is that other caveat I needed to add in. Let me add it in right here. There's a book all of you should read. So, so if you're in a place where you're like, okay, am I in the process or is like, all hell breaking loose and I need to get out of the circumstance I'm in and I need to cut my losses and run? Like, Or is this process? Is God trying to teach me something or do I need to really shift some things and make some new decisions in my life and get out? Right? If you're there and you're not sure if it's process or if it's a spiritual attack or um, toxic situation, something like that, you need to read the book Necessary Endings, written by a guy named Henry Cloud who is a believer. Um, but it's very much kind of written in a, a leadership frame, business frame as well. But some of you are in some mess in your life. And yes, God will refine your character. And God will teach you things in that mess. But some of you need to stop enduring toxic, messy, not of God stuff and put an end to it. Draw a line in the sand and say, this is a necessary ending. It needs to die, it needs to end, so that God can do a new thing in my life. So when you talk about the process, there's all these different nuances. It's not a real cut and dry thing here, but I want to bring that balance because some of you are going to hear this mess message and you're in like a toxic, horrible environment and you're going to keep enduring toxic, negative, like beyond what God wants you to endure and you're going to call it the process, and it's not the process. It's wrong. It's evil. 
It is deception from the enemy. And I can't know which one of those it is for you without having some pretty, a lot deeper conversation with you, but I wanted to drop that in. So if, you're, if that resonates with you, I'm literally serious. Get that book and God will speak revelation to you because if you're hanging on to hope in one of those situations and there is no evidence to think the thing's going to change, that's, that's foolishness. That's not really hope. That's not biblical hope. And so sometimes you, you need to just face reality and say, okay, I'm stepping away from that. That wasn't light. But somebody needed that. Good. Hey, get the book. Seriously. Like it will bring revelation to your life, okay? And talk to her since you're sitting on the front row. She'll help you with that too. James 1, 1 through 3, consider it pure joy. Listen, if you read the Bible, like just through a lens of process, there is not one great man or woman of faith in the Bible who did not endure the process, that did not get sharpened and built up and strengthened and broken down. More on that in a second. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You mean there can't just be one? of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Mature. See, is God's priority to change your circumstances? Nope. His priority is to refine you to mature you, to disciple you through those circumstances so that you can trust him at a level you've never trusted him before. I've shared this before, and Katie and I have taken the stage, my wife, of 24 years. And we've shared this before, but there was a time, this is adult ears here, but I'm not going to go into detail, um, where in our marriage relationship, we went without intimacy for a year. 12 months. This, was that fun? Like, gentlemen, was that fun for me, yes or no? No. Come on, get back me up here, fellas. I mean, it's not like we... No! Now, here's the thing. Did God make that happen? No, no, no. That wasn't God's best for our marriage. Of course it wasn't. It wasn't God's best for our marriage. And so, and, and believe me, there were times, did I pray for God to change those circumstances? Yeah. You better believe it. <laughs> wasn't God's best, wasn't his design, and yet he was able to redeem, yeah. redeem, buy back. And so that was a season where, and Katie and and I, God did some stuff in us he just wasn't going to do any other way. I got stripped of so much selfishness. I learned how to love my wife and put her first. Now, I don't do that perfectly. You can ask her if you need stories. But I learned how to be a giver instead of a taker. And he can redeem the worst of things, which I'm not saying that is the worst of things, but he can redeem hard stuff. Because his priority is not to change my circumstances. His priority is to change me. 
His priority is to change you, to make you the best version of who God designed you to be that doesn't need outer things to hold you up, that doesn't need perfect circumstances. And some of you, you have been in circumstances that you've been praying for God to change. How many have been in some circumstances for longer than you think is appropriate and you're like, God, it's time to change. How many got some of that going on in your life right now, right? Here's my gift to you. Start praying some different prayers. Instead of God change this, in this, take this away, say, God, what are you trying to teach me? Lord Jesus, what do I need to learn in this season? God, is there something I'm not seeing? Now, now be careful because I don't want you to go to the beat yourself up and God's punishing you. God's not punishing you. He's not punishing you through circumstances. He doesn't allow circumstances in our lives to punish us, to make us feel bad because we deserve it. No, no, no. He allows circumstances so that he can refine our character to be like him, so that we can know him more. So if you've been in a circumstance for a long time, God, what are you trying to teach me? God, if everything I need is in me, that's what, uh, where's that verse? I was going to read that. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4, I'm not going to go into that. That's the, everything that pertains to life and godliness, he's already deposited in you. Everybody say, it's in me. So if everything I need is in me, God, what am I not activating? What am I not utilizing if everything I need is in me? You know what? Not fix it, not take it away. God, help me get closer to you. Help me to know you more. Which leads us to lesson three, and we'll probably wrap with this one. The process teaches us to surrender our expectations and trust God alone. Back to that Romans 8.28, all things. All things work together for your good. So if it hasn't turned out for good yet, he's not done yet. He's working. He hasn't forgotten you. He is bringing good. Whatever the circumstance that you're in, there is always beyond a shadow of a doubt a gift that God is bringing you through it. It's a great prayer. God, what's the gift I'm not seeing right now? Because I'm having a real hard time not complaining and moaning and groaning right now, God. Help me. Yes, I want this. Help me see the gift, God. What is the gift that you're bringing me? What is the goodness that you're bringing me through this exact circumstance? I don't want, I didn't expect, I'm trying to get out of it, God. What's the gift? Help me see it. How am I getting closer to you? What am I learning What is the character that you're refining in me? Because we have to learn to surrender our expectations, surrender everything, and trust him alone. Uh, Prophet Trout was here back in January, and uh, we had a, a little luncheon with the staff, and he prophesied over me. Does anybody else have this with Prophet Trout? Like he'll prophesy over you, and then you're like, you walk away, and he, he just kind of slapped me in the face a little bit. 
right in front of everybody. And he said this. He said, the first part's good, and then it, the slap comes. He said what he does. He said, Mark, you've reached a, a season in your life where God wants to bless you and do something really special because you've been so faithful so long, and he's pleased with you, and he wants to reward you. He doesn't want to reward you because you're multi-talented, because you're the hardest worker, but because of your faithfulness. And by the way, let me just interject here. If you want to live a supernatural life, it's not going to be because you're so good, because you effort your way to it, because you're so gifted or talented. You live a supernatural life because you live in the principles that God has established without compromise, and the supernatural is deposited onto your life, attracted to your life. That was a bonus for you. He says, and there were times you were just emotionally tired. Anybody been there? He says, you were emotionally tired and you just kept going and the Lord saw that. And so this is the season now where God wants to bless you. And then a little bit later, he said this. <laughs> oh, wait, I got to read that part. He said, you're going to say, unfortunately, I wish, God, that I had some of this provision and blessing years ago. He, it would have been so much easier, you would think, when I was struggling back then. Where was I at? Was I in the process? Did I like it? Mm-mm. But he said this. He said, he's going to bless you because you wouldn't have handled prosperity before. You weren't ready, Mark. I had not refined your character enough. You would have done more stupid stuff, Mark. I'm expanding it. And see, sometimes when we're in the process, we're like, God, do this, do that. And you're not ready. I wasn't ready. So instead of saying, God, change it, fix it, take it away, say, God, change me, fill me. God, I surrender every expectation, every desire, every plan. I surrender my skill, my gift, my talent, my ability. I'm not going to trust in myself, God. I'm going to trust in you alone. See, that's what the process will do. The process empties us of us. The process will destroy your plan B and C and D and F. Because some of you like the plan B didn't work and then you started working on plan C and God's like, hello. I stripped that away so you would trust me. And until you stop making up your other plans and scheming and manipulating and doing all that, I can't bless you. I'm trying to strip you of pride, of arrogance, of your giftedness. He's trying to teach us because his primary objective is not to change our circumstances. It's to change us. We need him. We can't do it on our own. I mean, you're good, but you ain't God. We have to learn surrender. Yes. 